What's going on, friends? Ryan Dorn here. Welcome to the show this month. We've got some great stuff coming up. Mike Gobert from Open Look Business Solutions. We're going to dissect some questions from Yasmith, Roger, and Tristan. Yasmith in Chicago. She's like, Ryan, nobody's picking up the phone. What do I do? Roger in Tampa. He's offering huge discounts, but nobody's buying. Hmm. Then we got Tristan up in NYC. Webinars, they're trying to use them as lead gen, and they are flopping. What should they do? But here is the big topic. How do we end the year strong? How do we close out 2020 strong, roll into Q1 and Q2 as we're dealing with COVID and everything else? I've got 10 ideas for you to end 2020 really strong and go into 2021 with a positive attitude and some money in the bank. All that and more coming up next. Stick around and stay close. Here we go. Live from the Brainswell Media Studios, this is the Ryan Dorn Business Show. Ryan is a 30-year Emmy-winning sales, marketing, and leadership advisor. He has touched over half a billion dollars in revenue and still sells every day. Ryan has been featured in Forbes, USA Today, and has trained over 20,000 professionals in seven countries. Now, here's your coach, your confidant, your fellow business warrior, Ryan Dorn. All right, friends. Thanks so much for being here. We're going to have a great show uh, today, as we uh, talked about a couple seconds ago. Listener questions coming up, which I know all of you really enjoy that. And so we're moving to that time of year, friends, where we need to close some deals to close out uh, 2020 in as strong a way as possible. What a weird year this has been, right? But we also need to be looking at Q1 and Q2 into 2021. What are we going to do to close more deals that will benefit us, our companies, our families, etc. as we roll into the new year? Where has this year gone? Seriously, it seems like it was just March, like literally yesterday. What a crazy year. All right, so let's talk through 10 ideas, and we're going to go through pretty quickly here, 10 ideas of what we can do to close deals faster. So there would be deals in 2020 and into 2021. All right, idea number one of 10. Friends, you've really got to be ready to present options and recommendations on that first meeting. Now, we've talked about it a lot, but I want to reinforce to you this simple fact. 70% higher conversion rate when you recommend a product. 60% of people make purchases because of FOMO, that fear of missing out. So why it is that so many of you go on a discovery meeting to leave that meeting to create a customized solution and proposals is a little bit beyond me. Now, some of you in the the specialization that you're trying to bring in front of your customers, I, I get it. Sometimes you may need to leave that meeting, but hey, guys, it's hard enough to get meetings as it is much less have to schedule a meeting, go to discovery, leave the meeting to create a proposal, to come back and track the person down, to present the proposal. Then they've got to think about it. Then you got to track them down again. And you might say, well, my process is a lot more streamlined. I kind of doubt it. I'm just here to be real with you. So I'm ready to present options and recommendations in that very first meeting. I might be wrong. If I'm wrong, I'll pivot. There's that word again. I'll pivot and make sure. But you know, for me, friends, idea number one, be ready. Be ready to create create recommendations and proposals on the spot. All right, number two, if you want to move from transactional selling to relationship-based selling, because during COVID, it's been very transactional-based, you've got to use research to connect more deeply with customers. One of the tools that I use, obviously LinkedIn, uh, maybe you've got LinkedIn Sales Navigator. I don't know that you have to have that, but if you have that, it's a, a really great tool. I'm also using a Chrome extension, with the website called Crystal 
knows. Shortcut is Crystal. It does uh, virtual personality profiling. It's a Chrome extension that syncs with LinkedIn when you're using Chrome to pull up personality profiles and traits of the people that you're looking at. Now, it's not free, um, but it's not expensive either, and I use it all the time. So I'm using research to connect more deeply with clients. It's called building quick trust. And quick trust, you have to build within five to seven seconds, maybe 10 seconds maximum. But you're going to do that by having more information on that customer, their company, etc. So dig in on LinkedIn and make sure you're prepared for all the calls. I know 101 kind of thing, right? But are you actually doing it? All right, number three, you've got to be asking better questions. Your questions just have to be better. What are the three main questions that make me nuts? Um, Tell me more about your business. Come on, you're better than that. Uh, What keeps you up at night? Okay, come on, you're better than that. And then what's your budget? You can do better than that. Those are three questions we need to ask, but maybe ask them in a more vibrant and new way so we don't sound like every other salesperson that's calling on that customer. Here's three that I really like to ask. My favorite, when you agreed to meet with me, what business challenge or problem were you hoping that I could solve? So when you agreed to meet with me, what business challenge or problem were you hoping that I could help you solve? So that really is one of my favorites. The next one I'd like to ask is similar, but it's more of sort of a storytelling way. If if you could wave, if I could give you a magic wand and you could wave that magic wand, what would you want to see happen as far as our relationship goes, what you're buying from me? Or if if I could wave a magic wand for you, what business challenge could I help you resolve? So they're kind of similar. All right. The next question I like to ask is when you think about competing here in our community, when you think about competing against others in your industry, those type of things, do you want to be seen as kind of having sort of a a presence out there? Do you want to be real competitive or do you want to be dominant? And the reason that this works for me is because I could ask them their budget for whether they're buying media or software or whatever they're whatever they're buying for me. And they're going to give me a number based on their reality. When I ask this question, when you think about competing out there, do you want to be you know, competitive? Do you want to be real dominant? Do you just want to be a player? That's going to lead me towards a budget number that's more based in reality, real reality than their reality. And the other question that I like to ask on a, on a regular basis is if everything went perfectly, if our relationship was perfect, you buy what it is that I'm selling in the end result. What do you want the end result to be? What would the perfect end result be for you? Or you could say, if I'm going to keep you for a lifetime as a customer, what do I need to do? I think those are just better questions than the ones like, what keeps you up at night when you wake up in the middle of the night in a cold sweat? What are you thinking about? Gosh, guys, I don't know that I want to know the answer to that question. (laughs) Number four of 10, be prepared to talk about delays. Delays are coming up right now. People are delaying to Q1, Q2, Q3, Q4. Be prepared to talk about it. Jot down the most common objections you're going to get on one side of a piece of paper. On the other side, jot down what your answers are going to be. Be prepared for delays. Number five, you've really got to think about revamping your proposals based upon the research that I presented on this show or that are presented in a blog, or whatever the circumstances. Revamp your proposals. Let me give you two tidbits, and we'll talk more about this at at another time. 79% of our test users, when we looked at 1,200 pages, over 100 different proposals, 79% of the test users scanned the proposal. Only 16% 
actually read it. So I think you need to remove about 50% of the text from your proposals. The second piece, of the proposals we studied that one business, all of them had three pricing options. Okay, almost all of them had three pricing options. Not all of them, I said that wrong. Almost all of them. And then the last thing was lots and lots of pictures, lots and lots of examples. So be thinking about the research out there and revamping your slide decks, your capabilities decks, and things like that. Just recognize that only about 16% of people actually read what it is you're putting in front of them. It leads us to number six, which is also about proposals, and that is what I mentioned, three pricing options. So nearly every proposal that earned business had more than one pricing options, and that's idea number six. Why do I love three pricing options? You've heard me talk about it before. I love three pricing options because if you give somebody one choice, it's sort of a yes or a no. If you give them two choices, now you're starting to get them thinking. But if you give them three choices, they typically buy the middle option. So you create your pricing and your proposals around the middle option. So present three pricing options. I don't care what you're selling. I want to, I want to see a good, better, best in almost every situation, or a present competitive diamond, or a gold, silver, bronze. I don't care. Present three price options if you want to close more. Number seven of 10, you really need to set a very specific after-proposal follow-up plan. So you're on the meeting, and remember, my thought is, go there with the proposal. Don't waste their time. Go there ready to sell them something. Now, have a great meeting, ask great questions, share testimonials, but show them what you got. After that, what I want to do when they say I need to think about it, okay, great. Number one, let's meet back up in 48 hours to check in. Number two, if they need more time and 48 hours isn't enough, what are we going to do? Ask them. If you need more time, what are we going to do? Number three, what if we miss each other? Which is sort of my psychologically kind of programming them. If you decide to stand me up for this date, then what? And then the fourth is really understanding that if their answer is no, I'm not going to beat them up about it. I mean, I'd rather get a yes, wouldn't you? Right? But if they're going to be, tell me a no, just tell me no. Or the timing's not right. So I'd quit bothering you. I'd rather get a yes, but it's okay. So a very specific follow-up plan for me after I get done with my sales call is, let's check back in in 48 hours. If you need more time, let's text about it. If we miss each other, then what? Like carrier pigeon, smoke signal, what do you need? Cookies, pizza, what? And then the fourth is if, you know, if their answer is no, then tell me no. I'm not going to beat you up about it. We'll talk more about that in, in a brief second. Okay, number eight of 10. You've got to be prepared to sing about the praises, the praises of those clients that love you from the mountaintops. See, a lot of times salespeople don't want to talk about their current clients because they feel like, well, we shouldn't talk about clients. You have to. In the land of selling amidst COVID, stranger danger is real. People are more likely to buy from you if you've helped other people be successful, whatever it is that you're selling, a washing machine or an ad in a magazine. So that's why I'm always willing to, to share and talk openly and freely about those customers that I love, those customers that absolutely love me, what we've done to help all these customers. Yet nearly every slide deck that I see, nearly every proposal that I see, there's no mention of anybody else that we work with. Why is that? Well, you know, we really can't talk about other people. Stop. I'm not talking about being unethical. I'm talking about singing from the mountaintops, screaming at the your top of your lungs how much you love your customers and that they're going to love working with you as well. That's idea number eight. Don't be afraid to sing that love from the mountaintops. Number nine, you've got to get really clear 
on their path to making a decision. Now, some people will tell you to set that up in advance. I don't think that that's the appropriate thing to do in advance. Like who, when you start the meeting, all right, so what's your timeline here? Do you have the authority to make this decision? Okay, the 80s are calling. They want that book back. Okay, most buyers don't respond that way. We get to the end of the sales call. They're showing excitement. They're giving me buying signals. I ask them, hey, so what does your path to making this decision look like? Like you seem like you love this idea. Do you love it? I do. Great. So what's your path to getting this approved? Now, a lot of trainers out there would say, never meet with anyone that's not the decision maker. Well, I mean, that's easy to say if you're not really responsible for selling anything. Okay. <laughs> I think it's important for all of us to recognize what does that mean? What does it look like? Never meet with anyone that's not the decision maker. Uh, okay. I mean, that's a little bit far-fetched. I think we do have to meet with people that are in the chain of the command. So what does that look like? Then I want to ask them, what do you need from me? What do you need from me to help you sell more? Well, Ryan, you should always ask to, you need to meet with their boss. All right, come on, man. I've been doing this 30 years. Really? How many times has someone said to you, that's not the decision maker, come on, man, let's go and meet with this boss, meet with my boss. They just don't do it. So I want to find out, do you love the idea? Yes. What do you need from me? And then what do you think is going to be the biggest roadblock you're going to run across? What can I give you? Can I give you a video? Can I reformat this slide deck for you? Could I record the slide deck using a tool like Loom or Soapbox to give it to you to show your boss? What do you need from me? Really get clear. And then idea number 10, we sort of talked about it a little bit. If you're going to close more deals, you got to rock through them. So I need to know if somebody's answer is no. Now, again, if their answer is yes, awesome. But if their answer is no, I'm not going to beat them up about it. A lot of times people will say, never give them the opportunity to say no. Okay, that's a copyright 1996. Friends, you've got to recognize in today's world, we're having to resell people all the time. So if you really make them angry because you jump back down their throat when you're in full press sales mode, all right, if the answer is no or not now, it's all right. I'll get, we'll get together and we'll work together at some point in the future. Don't be beating people up about their answer being no. Well, you never get a second chance to sell them. I just don't agree with that. I feel like we have to resell these people over and over again. And you might say, well, Ryan, that's the fly in your ointment. That's the problem in your process. Not really. I like to have a great relationship with people. If the answer is no, for me, that just means not right now. And actually, friends, I feel like it's a-okay. It's all right. So number one, be ready to present options and recommendations on the spot. Number two, use research to connect with people in a much more deep and a much more robust way. Use Crystal Nose. Use LinkedIn. Ask better questions. Number three, ask better questions. Try again, friends. Some of your questions are old and tired and don't be like that. Number four, be prepared to talk about COVID delays, buying delays. Be prepared for that. Number five, revamp your proposals. There's a lot of research out there. Get your proposals airtight. Number six, present three price options. I don't know why people don't do it. If you give somebody exactly the budget that they threw in front of you, you're not giving them a chance to expand the sale and give you more money. Number seven, set a very specific after proposal follow-up plan. Be very specific about what you want to occur after the, after the sales call is done. If you don't, you're going to get left behind. Number eight, compare, contrast, 
Talk about the love that you have for your customers. Share that love. Number nine, get clear on the path to making a decision. Okay, don't get too lost in that, but get clear on that. And then number 10, if they're going to say no, give me a no. I'll move on to somebody else. Rock through those deals. Remember, friends, I say it all the time. If sales was easy, everybody be doing it. And they're not. So we're either crazy or we found careers that will feed our families for a lifetime. All right, we'll be back with uh, Mike Obert and answering your listener questions. Uh, Yasmith in Chicago, Roger, Tristan in New York City. We're talking about nobody picking up the phone. What do we do? We're talking about webinars not drawn in big leads for our sales organizations. And we're talking about discounting. So all that and more coming up next year with Mike Obert from Open Look Business Solutions. Stick around. Stay close. We'll be back. The Ryan Dorn Business Show is brought to you in part by Open Look Business Solutions. Need data cleanup, a virtual assistant, graphic design, or telemarketing? Reach out to Mike at open-look.com for information. That's open-look.com. How about a new website? Now more than ever before, having a world-class website is mission critical. Ryan has partnered with Web Publisher Pro to offer his clients top-notch websites that focus on lead generation and revenue. Reach out to David at webpublisherpro.com for more information. That's webpublisherpro.com. Now back to the show. Here's your coach, Ryan Dorn. All right, friends and fans, it's that time of the podcast every month where I dial in uh, the voice of Texas, Mike Obert from Open Look Business uh, Solutions. Hey, we've got some, um, Mike, you know, thanks for being here. You've got some uh, interesting questions sent in from the, the listeners. And I think some of them are going to be harder than others for us to kind of dissect. And I'd love to get your feedback on three questions. We've got Tiffany from Ohio, uh, Robert from Utah, and, uh, and Lacey from, um, from Florida. So I'd love to just dissect these with you and kind of, you know, let's let's bat it back and forth because some of them are, are, are a little tricky. So let's start yeah. with Tiffany from Ohio. Um, she says, um, hey, guys, I'm feeling like email is the best way to sell these days. No one is picking up the phone. What are your uh, thoughts? So if you don't mind, Mike, I'll pass this one over to you and let you kick it off and then I'll give some thoughts. What, what, are, your, what yeah. are your thoughts on that one? My thought is email is absolutely the easiest way to sell from the perspective of I can shoot out a bunch of emails and hopefully somebody responds positive or negative. But man, I, I kind of disagree that no one's picking up the phone. I think a lot of people right now have been picking up the phone. Yeah. So I always, man, I always try and sell on the phone. I think the phone is the best way to sell only because you can overcome objections. If somebody has questions, they can ask you right then. There's not a string of people going back and forth. It's so easy on an email for somebody to say no. Right. Um, and when you've got those people on the phone, um, you know you can work through what those objections are. So I would definitely say, yeah, email is an easy way to sell. That um, it, it is easy to send a bunch out, but don't don't forget to pick up the phone. I, I do think people will pick up the phone. Yeah, I was had Alex Goldfain on the podcast last month, and one of the premises in, in his five-minute selling book, Mike, is that when you reach out to people via phone that haven't been reached out to by other people, you're unique and you're special. I have noticed during COVID that a lot of sales reps, when I look inside the CRM tool set, they're not picking up the phone, and they're doing what I call spraying and praying. And spraying <laughs> and praying is you spray a bunch of emails out there and you pray that you get a response. And if your response rate is greater than, say, 10%, I would say that's that's really good. What I'm noticing is kind of a 1% kind of response rate. And what a lot of sales reps do is they spray and pray and they send out mass emails with just loaded with information. 
nobody's really reading it, and they get a 1% response rate, and they think that they're victorious. Grasshopper Research has said it multiple times that you are 7 to 10 times more likely to have a serious sales conversation with someone via the phone. And if you can find me a sales book that's worth a darn that says email only will get you the best results, I mean, I would be very surprised because I've read basically all of them. And I don't know anybody that says you don't need to pick up the phone. Any sales pro is like, hey, pick up the phone. All right, Robert from Utah. Um, I'm getting the objection, quote, I'm going to wait to buy until after the pandemic is over, end quote. What should I say? And so let's talk about the pandemic. Because we don't know when the pandemic is going to be over and because we don't have a definitive answer to what it actually really means, you know, the impact, the end result is going to be or the ending is going to be. I'd like to say to folks, no matter what you're selling, because we're dealing with a moving target, it's hard for any of us to plan. But what I, what I can tell you is this. There are a lot of people that are delaying making buying purchases. If you wait until everybody else starts buying, then you're going to be one of many that are buying at that time, whether it's media software, or whatever the circumstance is. So if you want to differentiate yourself and get a competitive edge, the time to do that is, you know, is right now. What are your thoughts on Robert from, from Utah? Preaching, preaching to the choir. I, in this instance, I think I go more for the consultative type of sales of like, look, I understand. I get it. A lot of things have changed. A lot of things are going on right now. But, you know, let's talk about your competitors. What are, what are your competitors doing? Do you know that company X that you compete with, you know, they're, they're still, you know, running their full page or they're still buying that product. Um, right. So, you know, some of your competition, they're not tapping the brakes and they're going full force. So I'm just being a consultant. I'm telling yeah. you what they're doing. I'm telling you what I'm hearing. And uh, hopefully that will help you make your decision. Yeah. A lot of times I just, once you point out to people that this is an opportunity for them to carpe diem the moment, take advantage of the situation. Now, I'm not saying that I'm not trying to, that sounds kind of bad. We're going to take advantage of COVID. That's not what I mean. What I mean is if you're noticing people within your competitive set are turning the volume, say from eight to five, as an example, it's an opportunity for you to spinal tap the situation and go for the 11, you know, turn this thing to a volume 11. And right. a lot of times when I point it out to people, they'll say, oh, you know, cool. I didn't think about that. Hadn't thought right. about that. So, yeah. And I mean, and you don't want to lose your marketplace. You know, if you, if you've spent years trying to create your product and, and mm -hmm. create your, your, your pitch, you know, why would you just let six months go to waste and then you're right. out of sight, out of mind? Right. I feel like a lot of um, our prospects, whether it's advertisers or clients or whatever, um, I feel like they get together in a little dark room and they have conversations like this. Hey, the salespeople are going to be calling this week. What's a new objection <laughs> we can give them? <laughs> you know? <laughs> Right. It's like this little dark little club, you know. So <laughs> anyway, all right, Robert from Utah, good luck with uh with that one. And that was some good thoughts on that one too, Mike. Yes. Yeah. All right, now this one's tough, guys. So let's pay attention to this one and let's and I'm not promising you I'm gonna have a great answer, but this is a real question and it's tough. This is Lacey from Florida. We did not allow our clients to cancel their contracts during COVID at all. Now it's renewal season. And they're flat out telling me no because of how they were treated. And then she writes, help, with an exclamation point. So I do know. So let's talk about the advertising side of the business where I live a lot of my, a lot of my life. And I know a lot. And you can learn a lot from this folks that sell software or insurance or whatever the circumstance is. 
I understand why some companies didn't allow their customers to cancel because had everybody canceled at the same time, some companies would have quite honestly really been hurt pretty, pretty dramatically. Now, a lot of you might disagree with this and you might, Mike, also. So feel free to, to disagree because that's where we're going we're gonna to learn. I am a person that apologizes extremely fast, even in a lot of circumstances where I know that I'm, I'm right. I think that I would go into this saying, I'm very, very sorry that your feelings were hurt or that your business was harmed or whatever the circumstances as it relates. I'm really, really sorry about that. Please understand that I fought the good fight for you, that we really, yeah, I really fought the good fight for you. And I appreciate right. your patience as we navigated this really tough situation together and what you know, you feel like you've lost in terms of money or business or whatever. I can promise you that I will make that up a hundredfold in amazing customer service. You know, this next year, I, and Mike, please, if you disagree, disagree, please say so. I'm just one of those people. I follow my sword super fast, and I've been accused yep. that it's the wrong thing to do. Like, don't apologize so quickly. But it's worked for me. Mike, what say yeah. you on this? This one here. No, I, I agree with you. I think you need to be sympathetic, especially for these people that have been with you or buying your product or advertising with you for years, um, that you want to be sympathetic to what's happened. Listen to them. And then, hey, what else can I do to help you? What can I do to help you um, get through this time? Um, is, it, is there anything else I could offer you? Um, but like you said, I can give you amazing customer service. I'll help you push your product. Um, but you need to either reach my audience, you need to sell your product to my audience. Um, so let, let's get let's get you guys in front of this audience. Yeah, and I think you would agree with this, Mike, is that most people buy from a salesperson. Like they buy because they like you. I know for a fact that if you're a bad salesperson and people don't like you, they don't buy from you, even if you have a good product. I know that I have not bought a superior product because the salesperson was terrible. I just didn't want to deal with them or the, or the company because right. of them. So yeah. if you position yourself as being doing your best to be somebody's hero, and it is somebody um, had chatted across to me when I was talking about this on a webinar, like, aren't you just passing the buck? Shouldn't you just own it? Okay, that's fine. Own it then. That's cool too. I don't think there's anything right. really wrong with saying, hey, I fought the good fight for you guys. And it just, yeah. it was a decision that was up out of my control. It was out of my hands. I'm so sorry. Right. I don't know that that's but passing I the buck. I don't know. No, but I mean, let's, I mean, we all cringe during renewal time anyways, you know, and, and this is might just be another thing that's a crutch for, for people of, of, you know, why people want to cancel is because they didn't do this or that. Right. So, I mean, I just go in there with your information, you know, know, know your product, know why people are upset. Um, and like you said, I'm like, look, I'm, I did the best that I can. I'm sorry. Uh, let's move forward. Let me see how I can help you in 2021. Yeah, for sure. No, here's the thing, Lacey, though. You're not alone. I mean, you're not the only person that's brought this up. There are a lot of people like you in a lot of different circumstances, whether it's advertising, software sales, printing services, whatever it is. There's a lot of people that are sitting in your shoes. So I would encourage you to write out a word track, not a script, because scripts sound like a script. Write out a word track, bullet points. Be prepared for this if you know you're going to get it. And, uh, you know, just surround them with empathy and apologize and, and you know, take your licks um, and just try to move on, you know, uh, uh, from there. Uh, Mike, these right. were some this was, you know, these are some tough ones uh, this month. <laughs> I, I, I appreciate um, uh, them as well. I hope things are going well uh, at Open Look. You got some exciting projects and stuff that you guys have been working on down there. We do. We have uh, onboarded um, five or six new customers over the last six weeks where we're 
100% doing outbound lead generation and sales, that they are virtual employees, virtual assistants uh, for companies, and they're reporting 40 hours a week for these companies, doing 100, 150 uh, phone calls, trying to uh, set appointments, uh, even sell the product. So, yeah, it's been exciting times here at Open Look. Yeah, that's great. Well, uh, friends, um, just like I mentioned about charity earlier uh, from January spring, Mike loves to strategize. So whatever your business is, even if you're not in the publishing business, whatever your business is and you're listening to the podcast, uh, reach out to uh, to my friend Mike Obert. It's open-look.com, open-look.com, and uh, drop Mike an email, say that you heard about it on the podcast. That way I get a little credit, wink, wink, yeah. nudge, nudge. It's just, it's just Mike at open-look.com is the email address. And yes, anybody that calls... I'll make sure you get one of Ryan Dorn's free T-shirts. There you go. Awesome. They're amazing T-shirts <laughs> as well. All right, Mike. Thanks so much, man. We will see you next yep. month. Sounds good. All right, friends and fans. That is the podcast for this month. Hey, my name is Ryan Dorn. I'm honored and I'm thrilled that every month you take 30, 35 minutes to stop what you're doing and listen to this podcast. It means the world to me. So on behalf of the cast and crew over here at Brainswell Media, thanks so much for being here every single month. Love to be a part of your virtual training, your virtual sales meetings, you name it. And hey, right around the corner, we'll get back to being together live very, very soon. More online over at RyanDorn.com, D-O-H-R-N, over at RyanDorn.com. Otherwise, stick around and stay close. Another great podcast coming up right in a few seconds. All right, friends, remember, if sales was easy, everybody would be doing it, and they're not. So we're either crazy, which is possible, or we found careers that will feed our families for a lifetime. All right, God bless you all. Be safe out there. We'll see you next month.